Today, as uh, you can see, it's a Memorial Day weekend. As you can tell, uh, the church is a little empty. <laughs> People are on vacation, going camping, whatever else it is. And that's fine. Um, I trust that they're also spending some time in the Lord today, somehow between barbecuing and camping and fishing and hunting or whatever it might be. I don't know. I'm not a hunter or fisher, so sorry. But uh, anyway, those, uh, those things going on, trust that they're also uh, being able to set aside time for the Lord. And uh, today as well, we will set some time aside in a way where we are going to connect Memorial Day with how we also to remember the Lord. And I trust that will, that will be able to hit, hit home in your heart as well. But Memorial Day is an official holiday in most states of the United States. It was observed on May 30th until 1971 when uh, for federal employees, the date was changed to the last Monday in May. And all the states observing Memorial Day adopted the change. It is also known as Decoration Day because the, uh, the different uh, sites are all decorated with flowers. Um, the grave sites look so beautiful over at uh, uh, our Na Willamette National Cemetery. And if you haven't gone over there yet, you probably haven't noticed the, all the flags that, that are up there. And so beautiful. The custom of placing flowers on the graves of the war began on May 5, 1866 in Waterloo, New York. And Waterloo has been recognized by Congress as the official birthplace of Memorial Day. And in 1868, General John A. Logan, then president of the Grand Army of the Republic, declared that May 30th would be a day to decorate with flowers the graves of comrades who died in defense of their country during the late rebellion. And after World War I, the day was set aside to honor all of the American wars, and the custom was extended to pay homage to uh, deceased relatives as well as friends, and both, uh, both the military and civilian. And most solemn ceremony conducted on Memorial Day is the placing of a, of a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier, which is located at the Arlington National Cemetery. Now, some southern states observe what is known as Confederate Memorial Day, when they honor and remember the Confederate soldiers who died or were wounded during the American Civil War during the 1860s. And Confederate Memorial Day is a state holiday in Alabama and Florida and Georgia on the fourth Monday in April. In Mississippi, it is observed on the last Monday in April. In South Carolina and North Carolina, it falls on May 10th. And in Texas, this holiday is known as Confederate Heroes Day and is held on January 19th each year. So nevertheless, however it's called, whatever it's, however it's done, tomorrow we will celebrate Memorial Day. Many people see it as just a, a day off, a three-day weekend, no school on Monday, no work on Monday, and you're able to barbecue and enjoy family or just enjoy relaxing and having a good time. But for those who have lost someone because of war or military action, it means much more than just a day off. In fact, every American ought to recognize this day out of his patriotic duty to his country and in honor of those who spilled their blood to make America what she is today, free, strong, and a nation worth fighting for. Because men and women have died for this country, we have the right to preach God's word freely. We have the right to live at peace in our own homes 
And believe it or not, we even have the right to cheer on the Oregon Ducks. <laughs> but we have the right to pursue peace, prosperity, and happiness. And thank God for those who died to make us free. As we prepare to enter into a day to remember those who died for liberty, it is fitting to also remember the one who died to set us free from spiritual tyranny. Jesus fought the armies of hell that we might have liberty in his holy name. So we celebrate Memorial Day once a year to remember those, those uh, who died for freedom. But every week is a celebration of the memorial of Christ. So what I'd like to do is parallel our, our nation's Memorial Day with the Memorial Day of Christ. And because for the Christian, every Sunday is a Memorial Day. Now, on Memorial Day, there are three main things that usually occur. One is you mourn the loss. Another one is we, we, we remember the lives. And then a third thing is, is that we are thankful for the sacrifice. So in light of Christ's battle, let's examine evidence of our memorial in Him as we recognize the likeness of our celebration of our military as well. So on Memorial Day, one of the things that we do is we, we mourn the loss. We remember the loved ones who died. We wish they were here. We wish they were not gone. We wish they were here to, to be able to share moments with us, to hold them, to talk to them, to see them again. But because of death, we cannot. It separates us. And when people die, we naturally think of the if-onlys, right? If only I had told him I loved him. If only I had kissed her one more time. If only I had not spoken so harshly. And we replay those doubts over, our, over and over in our minds, but we ultimately know that those if-onlys would not really change a thing. Now, on the Lord's Memorial Day, we are to examine our responsibility to Christ's. The Christian must recognize that we are very responsible for his death. If only we had not sinned, he would not have had to die. But we are to blame. We must examine ourselves as we meet around his memorial as if we would stand before a mirror and realize the truth that is portrayed in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I am the one to blame. I caused all his shame. He was publicly humiliated, beaten, spit upon, treated as a sinner because I am a sinner. As we mourn the loss of Christ, realize that we are the guilty ones. And know that if there were only be one sinner who was lost, he still would have died. His love is that great. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, Jesus asks, he says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to, the lo and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about the one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. We are the lost sheep. And Jesus found us. Even if there was just one sinner, he would die on that cross for that one.
Mourning the loss is the first thing we must do as we celebrate the memorial of our Lord. This is why Jesus gave us the bread at communion. The first thing you do with the bread as you participate in this memorial is you break it. Now, whether you physically break it with your, with your hands or you chew it up, or you, you break the body of Christ just as our sin broke the physical body of Christ. On Memorial Day, we mourn the loss. We also remember the lives. Part of our emotional healing in this process of grief is to remember the lives of the loved ones who have passed on. The headstones we put on the graves are a testimony of who those people were. And I've taken walks in some cemeteries after a graveside service, and there were some remembrances of those who died. Let me share some of those with you. So some of those epitaphs I've found. Gone so soon. Beloved sons on a stone of twins who had died near the same time. Dear parents, though we will miss you much, we know you rest with God. Safe in the arms of Jesus. Faithful unto death. Gone but not forgotten. A tender mother and a faithful friend. Go, Spirit, go thy way. Savior, more than life to me. At rest. Asleep in Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Life's work well done, she rests in peace. And also one last one. Age 64, seven months, nine days at rest. All of these messages tell us a little bit about the one who is buried under that headstone. And if you ever... Take time, and maybe you will during this Monday, to visit a graveside. Take a look at some of the other gravesides, and you'll be able to see a little bit of that story as they mark that headstone in that way. Be able to see the story even in, in the birth and the date of death, how long they lived, and who's connected there. You probably might even see a family plot as well. I remember back in Ohio when we did my... My father's service, it was a very old cemetery, and we were able to look at some of the other headstones and such. And there was a whole gathering of, of a family there as well, and extended, because you could tell how um, they were connected. And it's very interesting to think about those lives that we have never met and how they were influential in other people's lives. And someday people are going to come to your graveside and look at your headstone and go, wow, I wonder, I wonder what's in between that little dash, the date of your birth, the date of your death. What went on there? Who this person was? How they influenced those around them? It's interesting to think about. And I think also, too, if it's something that you think about in your own life, it's a good question to ask yourself. What are you doing with your life to be able to influence others for Christ? What are you doing with your life to be remembered not only for just who you are, but who, who Christ was in your life? What are you doing to, to uh, bring about that legacy?
some things, though, that, uh, that hopefully wake us up and help us remember that our lives are worth living, and they're worth living for Christ. You know, in the same way, the epitaph that Jesus left tells us something about Him. Inscribed on just about every communion table I've ever seen, as well as ours, are the words found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, where it says, And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And our table says, This do in remembrance of me. So what must we remember about Jesus. What is it? And it's a pretty basic question, I'm sure. But to answer, I'd like to suggest that he would like us to remember how he lived and what he taught through his life. Go back through the Gospels if you need a reminder about that. How he lived, what he did. He set a glowing example of how to live in love. Yes, he was a son of God, but he still set that example because, you know, he was not only God, he was also man. 100% both ways. And like I've mentioned before, as a math person, that just doesn't compute for me. But that's how it goes in Scripture. Some things we won't be able to explain or understand this side of heaven. But God sent His Son, Jesus, and He was 100% man and 100% God altogether. Our life should reflect that love, though, that He's shown. We should also remember why He came to seek and save that which was lost. Our life should also reflect that desire to see the lost come to know salvation through Jesus Christ. Be able to help others see Christ in us and be able to want to know more about that. What is it that Jesus has done for you? And be able to share that with them. So in communion then, the bread that we break is a reminder of the body of Christ. And we are vividly reminded each time we observe this memorial that we are a part of the body of Christ as well. And when we physically eat this bread, it becomes a part of our body. And our body uses this bread for our nourishment. But Jesus doesn't only want us to just be physically nurtured as we meet around the table. He also wants us to be spiritually edified as well. And this remembering is not simply the recalling of historical facts. That's easy. That's here. But it's also participation in spiritual realities, which makes that 12-inch journey from the head to the heart. Be able to embrace those things of who Jesus was and who He is today. At the Lord's table, we don't walk around the monument and admire it. We don't come on a Sunday and look at the bread and the containers and look at the juice and the cups and go, that's very pretty. Ooh, that looks nice. Very good. Oh, nice table. Nice little wording in the front. And then we just leave. We don't do that. We, we participate. We come. We have fellowship with a living Savior as our hearts reach out by faith. If we approach this memorial in the proper attitude, we will experience spiritual growth. We come to Him in the right attitude during communion. Just as our physical body grows when fed properly, our spiritual life grows when fed properly. And the opposite is also true. 
if we approach the table in a haphazard manner, then we take something that is of the highest of religious ceremonies and make a mockery of it. And there will be literally hell to pay for the one who doesn't care for what his Savior has done. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 11 verses 27 through 29 has to say in the King James Version. It says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So when you hear this verse, these verses, it kind of opens up your eyes a bit. And next Sunday, we'll be able to participate in communion. And the idea about coming to the Lord's table worthily is to be able to come to Him ready to take communion in a way where you receive this, not in a way of, good, thank you, I'm hungry, oh, no, that's good, good to drink, but to think about what this is all about. And that's why I take time on those Sundays to be able to walk you through it so you understand and are reminded. We need reminders be able to understand what this is all about. We should truly, though, examine ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to examine us before participating in communion so that we don't take it lightly, that we realize the bread we hold represents Christ's body. The cup that we hold that contains the juice represents Christ's blood. Those things we should recognize. Christians do not make light of this memorial feast. Do this in remembrance of Him. So on Memorial Day, we mourn the loss, we remember the lives, and then finally, we are thankful for the sacrifice. It was a few weeks before Christmas, 1917. The beautiful snowy landscapes of Europe were blackened by war. The trenches on one side held the Germans, and on the other side, the trenches were filled with Americans. It was World War I. The exchange of gunshots was intense. Separating them was a very narrow strip of no man's land. A young German soldier attempting to cross that no man's land had been shot and had become entangled in the barbed wire. He cried out in anguish. Then in pain, he continued to whimper. Between the shells, all the Americans in that sector could hear him scream. When one American soldier could stand it no longer, he crawled to that German soldier. And when the Americans realized what he was doing, they stopped firing. But the Germans continued. Then a German officer realized what the young American was doing, and he ordered his men to cease firing. Now there was a weird silence across the no man's land. On his stomach, the American made his way to that German soldier and disentangled him. He stood up with the German in his arms, walked straight to the German trenches, and placed him in the waiting arms of his comrades. Having done so, he turned and started back to the American trenches. And suddenly, there was a hand on his, his shoulder that spun him around. There stood a German officer who had won the Iron Cross, 
the highest German honor for bravery. He jerked from his own uniform and placed it on the, the American who walked back to the American trenches. When he was safely in the trenches, they resumed the insanity of war. But that German soldier was thankful for that American soldier's sacrifice. And all the heroic acts done on the battlefields through the history have made our country what it is today. We are free. We are wealthy and we are respected around the world. I'm proud to be an American and I have the luxuries of this country because men have died to give me what I have. Likewise, the price Jesus paid provided us salvation. We have the promise of salvation and we did nothing to afford this luxury. For this, we must be thankful. This is why Jesus presented the cup in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25. He said, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So when we have that cup of juice and we drink the juice, we remember our forgiveness. It is, the, it is the blood of Jesus that he spilt in order to clean our hearts from sin. The old hymn says it best. You've heard it before. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Hebrews chapter 9, verses 13 through 14, gives us some perspective on the cleansing power of Christ's blood. Verse 13 says, The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. And verse 14 says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Christ's blood cleanses us. Thank God for the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. And thank God the tomb where Jesus was placed is empty. We serve a risen Savior who is preparing a place for us, for those who have placed their trust for eternal life in Jesus Christ alone. And one day, one day we will be with him. I'm going to invite the worship team on up. I'm going to lead us in a couple last couple songs. As they come, I just I hope that today's message it will make will help you make time to to spend uh, around the memorial of Christ and realize that every Sunday is a memorial day. And next Sunday, like I said, when we participate in communion, consider these three things. Consider these things. Mourn the loss of the body of Christ, 
and examine your responsibility to it as you break the bread. Two, second thing, remember the life of Jesus as you compare your life with his. You eat the bread and realize that you are one with his body. And then third, be thankful for his sacrifice because it is through his sacrifice that you are saved. You drink of the cup and be thankful for his sacrifice that offered you forgiveness. So this Memorial Day, don't only remember those who have served our country, and that is good. That's what it's for. We need to do that. But also, remember your Savior and his memorial to us as well.